Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, we are here at the Opryland Hotel in Nashville, Tennessee, and we're doing something a little bit different this time. We're actually recording on an iPhone, thanks to my, my uh, I guess, short-sightedness or just forgetfulness. Um, crazy number of projects and trips and whatever going on this week, and I'm literally recording on my iPhone 10. So uh, if you hear kind of an odd audio or the, the quality of the audio is not as good as normal, that is why. But I'm here with my friend Heather Durham. Heather made time to come chat with the Boca Podcast listeners. So thanks for meeting with us this evening, Heather. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Well, and we're going we're gonna to actually dive, and this is even an experiment for us. I was just chatting with Heather before I started, before I hit the record button. I said, we're going to be moving this, this phone back and forth here. So you may hear the audio kind of shift out a little bit, but we're going to actually be diving into a new topic this evening about, uh, a relatively new topic, really about creating timeless finished product for our client. We've talked about prints a little bit on the podcast before. But we're going to get into this in a little bit more detail here in just a bit. But we normally start off the podcast with what I call the aha moment. And really simply, this would be kind of a turning point for your business. Maybe a big lesson that you learned, maybe even the hard way. Can you share something like that with our listeners? Well, I think for me, my aha moment was really when I heard from a speaker say, you can't do it all. You cannot do everything. And you need to delegate what you don't do well and what you can pay someone else to do and half the time that you're doing it and do it better than you to free up that time to do what makes you money and what you're best at. And for me, that was, that was an aha moment because I'm kind of, I like control. It's my brand. It's my name. And I kind of want everything I do to have my hand in it. So it's really hard for me to let go of things. And it was, an aha moment for me because bookkeeping is something that I hate. I don't do well. It takes me entirely too much time. So about, I guess about four years ago now, I gave up bookkeeping and it was the most freeing moment for me to give up because when they're over there, you know, reconciling bank statements and credit card bills and, you know, doing everything in QuickBooks, which I can look at a glance at any time and see what they're doing, I can be using that time to make money, to shoot and that's what I do best. So that's what I need to focus on. That's really good. And, you know, I'm, I'm listening to you talk and I'm thinking even now, something I was thinking about in the, even in the last 24 hours, as a business owner at Photographer's Edit, we've been in business, we were just talking about this a few minutes ago, for the last 10 years. And even at this stage in our business and having also owned a photography business, I'm still reminded of how I could do a better job of delegating. I still have a tendency, even owning a company that is asking photographers to delegate editing, I still find myself not always consistent in my effort to delegate as much as I possibly can. And not only would it free me up as a business owner, relieve the amount of stress that I deal with as a business owner, but it, it's, well, it, it's, it's about freedom, not just for the sake of time, but also freedom for the sake of being able to put my efforts and energy into something that I'm, as you said, much better at. I mean, accounting can not only be a drag and a stress, but it's not what we got into this business for. So the idea that we can delegate editing, that we can delegate accounting, that we can delegate album design or any number of things as a business owner is really huge. It gives us more free time. It does give us more time to focus our efforts and energy on things that we're good at. 
And it's really, really important. So I think this is a, a, a huge lesson and a good reminder for me, certainly, and also for our listeners. And I'm glad that we started with that. I want to hear a little bit about you. And I'd love for our listeners to learn a little bit more about you. Tell us about your husband, your kids. There's this beautiful picture on your, on your Facebook profile of your chocolate lab, too. So tell us all about your family love my family who really support what I do and um, enable me to do what I do. And so my husband, we've been married for 20 years now. Wow. Yeah, we met in college and we have two kids, four, uh, 15, just turned 15, about to start driving, which is a little scary, <laughs> 15 and 11. And then our uh, chocolate lab's na- uh, name is Scout. And we gave her to our kids for Christmas a couple years ago. She's a little over two. She's really my dog. Gave her to my kids, but I adore her. She's my running buddy. So, um, yeah, that's my family. And you mentioned running buddy. You, you're also an athletic trainer. Is that right? Yeah. So that's my other job is fitness instructor. Okay. I've been certified for 26 years now teaching. So it's fun. I love it. It's a stress reliever. It's part of my day. And honestly, I, I swear by a good sweat makes you more creative, I think. <laughs> oh, I, I totally found that. I my favorite time of day to work out is first thing in the morning. You know, I'll take my kids, drop them off at school about 7.15 or so in the morning, and I can go straight from there to get a good high-intensity workout in at the gym, and I just feel alive for it. You know, I, I tend to be a, I guess if you want to categorize me, I'm a morning person, but I think starting my day off with a workout does energize me. I also know that there's more likelihood that I'm going to get the workout in than if I push it until later in my day, so that's, that's good for me. Do you usually work out in the morning too? Yeah, I found that with two kids who have really active schedules in the afternoon, if I don't get it done in the morning, a lot of times it won't get done. So for me, it's just like you. When my kids go to school, I go get my workout in, and then I dive into work. So, yeah. That's perfect. Okay, so your husband, two kids, your dog, busy schedule, a, a, a son or daughter who's about to drive. Daughter's, Daughter's about to drive. Yeah, my, my son actually just turned 16, and he's... At, at that stage as well. So we haven't actually gotten the license yet, but he's starting to, to drive a little bit in the parking lots and that kind of thing. I don't know if nerve-wracking is the word. I, I, I was actually thinking yesterday, we made a long drive for an audition that he had to go to, a music audition he had to go to. And I was thinking, man, if only he could have driven the, the day before yesterday, three and a half hours from Atlanta to Knoxville, I could have gotten some editing, some video editing done for some of our marketing content, you know? But that's going to be nice. It's going to be convenient. But yeah, while you're sitting there, Riding, I actually, I actually stood in a, the other day I was having him practice parking. So I, he was in the driver's seat. I got out of the car and I stood in the parking space behind him because we, he had been backing out of this parking space with an imaginary car back there. I said, there's cars all around you. I want you to back up as though there's a, par- a car right there. We did that for a little bit, but I wanted to make it even more real. So I stood where that, the bumper of that car would be. And man, he was so nervous and he couldn't actually make the turn out of that parking lot effectively. Have you had some nerve wracking experiences yet? Well, she does not have, she's getting her learner permit this week. So I think we're going to have a lot of practice coming up, but I have appointed my husband for that job right at first because I think he's more patient and I think his nerves will be better than mine. So once she has a little experience under her belt with him, then I think she'll do it with me. So totally makes sense. Well, what is it that you do to create free time for, not just for yourself, but also for your family? I know, my, my kids are everything to me. It's so important to me that I make sure that they feel prioritized, certainly over my work, that I'm creating time, especially quality time with them, not necessarily always the quantity, but certainly quality time, focus time together. We've been enjoying, I mean, we'll, we'll play video games together. We'll take trips together. 
we'll play. Lately, we started playing poker together, and it's so much fun. But it's it's also a game in which you can have conversation while you're playing, which is really fun. So we're sitting around a table just playing. But what kind of stuff do you guys do to 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 spend time together? But then, how do you create that free time for yourself as well? Well, and I think after owning my business for 15 years, I think it's still a struggle. I think it's still something that has to be intentional. I have to work at it every day because. When you own your own business, you feel like there's always something more you can do, something more you can get done. And when you work out of your home, you, you feel like you can't really separate yourself from it, but you have to. You have to be intentional about it. And my husband also works from home when he's not traveling. So we really have to make an effort. And for me, over the years, that has really been making an effort to have office hours. Like when my husband is working and when my kids are at school, I run, go get my workout in, and then I dive into work, and I work until they get home from school, and we're running to their activities and doing homework and that sort of thing. And then once they go to bed, I may stay up late at night when the house is quiet and get a lot of work done then. But um, I really try to prioritize my day around their schedule and my husband's schedule. And um, he travels a lot for work, so weekends are real important for us to kind of reconnect. So we love to get outside. We love to we love to travel, too. We love to go to the beaches of 30A. That's one of our favorite places. We've always made memories. Um, we love to be outside with our dog. We live in a really great community with lots of green spaces and lakes, and so we love to throw the ball with her and, and, and play and have a good time. So, But, you know, I think the biggest thing for business owners is just really being intentional about our time, really being intentional. And that's just kind of an everyday decision. And I love the simplicity of that. We've talked about that so many times on the podcast, but it really can be that simple. And it's as simple even as I think we've had multiple guests maybe at this point that have said, I just put it in the calendar. It could be something as simple as um, we had one guest that came on and said that they actually plan events, outings with their friends. And they'll put that in the calendar and they'll, I think, even buy the tickets and set it up and, and make it happen. But that, that simple act of committing to something by putting it in the calendar and saying, this is what we're going to do. You create accountability with your kids. They're going to remind you <laughs> so you can't get away with it. And I think another thing we do is we really make it a party to have our kids' friends in our home. So we really want to have them in our home so that we get to know our kids' friends and and kind of serve them and do for them and have food for them and, and just make it a place where people can gather. And I think that allows us to kind of pour time into our kids because they want to be with their friends. And we're at the stage where they want to be with our friends more sometimes than with family. So if we have them in our home then we can be a part of their lives with their friends, which is important. It's so important. I love it. I love the simplicity of that, the intentionality of that. I think it's a great example. Um, And I'm glad that that's been a theme on the podcast because it really doesn't have to be about a complicated technique or workflow or anything in the end. It's just about a simple decision and following through on that. It's great. It's really good. So let's talk a little bit about your business. Obviously, you're a photographer. And one of the things that I noticed, and we actually chatted about this earlier before we started recording, was the fact that on your, um, on your website itself, there isn't a clear distinction about what specific kind of photography you offer. You actually offer multiple types of photography. Talk a little bit about your business. Well, you know, over the years, it's kind of evolved. And before I was a photographer, I was an art director for a magazine publisher. And so I was on the other side of the camera. I was doing the designs and the layouts. And I was hiring photographers, and I was working with them um, on concepting and and art direction. And so that's when I really fell in love with photography and wanted to learn it. And so that's really how it all started for me. So I really started with a background of magazine and fashion work. And 
I've always been in the creative field, but I feel like all of those job experiences led me to kind of where I am today and gave me the um, experience to run my own business and what I need to do today. But I think that, you know, it really started out as a love for fashion and doing marketing catalogs for a fashion boutique. And so I've always loved the portrait and shooting people. And even before that, you know, I really wanted to take great pictures of my own children. You know, I didn't want to pay somebody to do it. I wanted to use my vision and what I wanted and and photograph them myself. So really that's how it started. And then I started shooting other, you know, people's kids and families. And then it just grew into this business. And I had started my own graphic design business, freelancing when my kids were born. And my love for photography grew that that just kind of faded away. And so I was full-time photography from then on out. But I've shot everything from pro sports and weddings and kids and family portraits to now I do a lot of interiors. And, you know, some people are of the belief that you should really focus on one genre of photography and pour everything into that. And and I see that as well. And I love the people's work who do that. For me, I feel like everything that I've shot has made the other one even better. So like, when I was shooting pro sports, you have to shoot fast. You have to make quick decisions. You can't press the shutter in pro golf until the club makes contact with the ball. So, you know, timing is so important. And you have 11 frames a second on your camera for a reason because you've got to nail the shot. So I feel like, you know, having to really think quickly in pro sports enabled me to really think quickly on my feet for wedding photography and and make quick decisions. So I also feel like it keeps things fresh for me. It keeps me challenged. It keeps me constantly learning and, and, and being creative and thinking on my feet. So for me, it just keeps it fun. It keeps it exciting. It keeps me learning. It keeps me challenged. And, and I have to say, I'm, I'm impressed because you've been in business now for 14 years. Is that right? 15. 15 years. Okay. So I know that for me, the idea, I, I'm not a good multitasker. So when I think about juggling different genres of photography under one brand, that would be really challenging for me. You've been able to not only do that, do so successfully, but then continue your business for this long as well. That speaks volumes to both your ability as a business person and as a photographer. So kudos to you for that. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, it's not easy and you really have to keep it all straight because I'll have, you know, in the midst of wedding deadlines, which photographers have edit absolutely helps me with, in the middle of wedding deadlines, I'll also have you know, magazine deadlines. And those are usually very quick turns. And so to keep it all straight, I use 17 hats. It's been a huge help to me because all in one place, I can have, you know, everything from their estimate to their invoice, to their signed contract, to every phone call we've made, every note I've taken can all be in one place at a glance. And that's huge when you have multiple deadlines going on for different, different genres of work. So that has been a huge help to my business to have it in one place organized and I can look at it whether I'm in my office or on the go on the app. So kudos to them for creating it because it's been a huge help to my business. So would you say, how would you break down the, say, percentage of photography that you do? You said wedding, um, you're doing some commercial work as well, some portrait work. Um, how does that all break down roughly? I mean, if you were to guess. Well, it's a little different. I just moved to Nashville a year and a half ago from Birmingham. So I kind of still have one foot in Birmingham and one foot in Nashville. And, you know, that does affect your business a little bit when you move and having to kind of establish my brand here in Nashville when it was already established in Birmingham. So I feel like the percentages maybe are a little different 
in the last year and a half than they would have been if you'd asked me a year and a half ago. But I would say about the majority of what I do is weddings. And then I would say from there, it's editorial and interiors. I do do portraits for kids and family, but I kind of focused that over the last uh, six years or so and really focus that in the fall. When people really want to update the profiles, they want to do Christmas cards and that sort of thing, I kind of focus all that business into the fall season for me because then that kind of helps me really manage my wedding and editorial business. That makes sense. Well, I think what you mentioned earlier is an interesting point of conversation. We could probably create a whole podcast episode in and of itself, and that is moving into a new market. This is something we've talked about before on the podcast. But what would you say the main thing that you're doing right now is in order to kind of build your network and drive new business as you're in a new market? What's, what's the, the main thing that you're focusing your effort and energy on? I think for here, really, I'm focusing on making relationships. I mean, I think that's what our business is all about. You know, you can get work, but then you can really establish relationships with your clients that are long-term who, you know, I have a lot of clients who photographed their kids when they were young and then they get married and I do their engagement session and their wedding and then they move and they want an anniversary session and, you know, and those are the kind of relationships I want. I want those with my, you know, with my art directors for magazines. I want to be able to shoot for them. Maybe it's a fashion piece like I just shot, but then they also need me to shoot, you know, an art gallery or whatever. But we have this relationship and this mutual trust where, you know, they know they can count on me to do the job and to do it well and to pay attention to the details and to meet my deadlines and, and just establish that relationship of trust because that's really what it's all about. So for here, um, I'm just really trying to build that network of people and get to know people and have coffee with people and meet with people that, you know, they don't have a need for photography. They might know someone who does. So I just, I feel like that's just getting into a new community, meeting people and um, establishing relationships. Isn't it funny how, I mean, as much as technology changes and, and ultimately the workflow for a photographer and really the landscape of the professional photography industry changes, at the end of the day, it's still about relationships, which I love. And I think, I think another really huge tool for moving into a new, um, a new market is social media. I mean, Instagram is super powerful. I'll be out. I remember, gosh, my first six months of living here and just really being excited about exploring the city. And I would just be out and I would be taking pictures of Nashville, you know, because I was exploring it. I was seeing things I hadn't seen before. So I'd take a shot of it and I would tag, you know, Nashville's Instagram or I'd tag visit Nashville or visit Franklin and they would repost those. And then we would get to know each other through Instagram and and, and tagging each other and really in a friendly, it's, you know, Instagram has almost become a conversation, especially with stories. And I, and I think that's a huge way to meet people in your community, even without really meeting them face to face. And also, it's been a, a privilege to shoot for the city's magazine. And I did that in Birmingham as well. Shooting for Nashville Lifestyles has been fun because I feel like shooting for your city's magazine is special because you really get to know the city that way and you get to know the heartbeat and the spirit of the city through the people that you get to meet for shooting for it. So that's been a lot of fun. Well, I think that that speaks to your business acumen too. And and again, your awareness of the importance of relationships and that you're putting yourself out there. I mean, you you didn't just get that that gig by accident. I, I would assume that you 
put yourself out there and said, hey, I'm available to photograph for you. That's really important. And again, a good example for our listeners and a good reminder for me too. I mean, I think about how I'm spending my time this week. I'm, uh, I didn't mention earlier, I don't think, why we're at the Opera Lando Hotel. We're here for imaging, the imaging conference, PPA's imaging conference this, this year, 2018. And um, so I'm, I'm going to be here and then I'm going to Salt Lake City later this week. I'm speaking at a conference out there, the Photo Native Conference, getting to connect with photographers out there. At the end of the day, it really is all about relationships and anything that we can do to put ourselves out there to, to help others. Um, first of all, it's beneficial just on a, on a personal human level, but then ultimately what it does translate to is business opportunity as well. So that's a good reminder, a good example. Um, really quickly, before we kind of dive into our main topic, I'm curious, what is your favorite piece of gear in your camera bag? Wow. Okay. That's a loaded question. I really think my favorite lens is my 70 to 200. I love that lens. I know it's heavy. I know people hate to carry it around, but I love what it creates for me. And then I have a new favorite piece of gear that's that's new. That's like kind of my new little toy. Everybody likes a new toy. So for interiors work, most of the time I have to be on a tripod and you really need a great tripod head. So I've been using one for years and you always kind of deal with a little bit of sag and a little bit of slip when you're shooting verticals and that sort of thing. So I finally bit the bullet and bought a new tripod head for interiors and architectures and it's called the Arca Swiss Cube. And it's, it's got a nice little price tag, but it is worth every penny. I've been loving it. It's precise and um, just really does the job. I'm excited to have it. So that's just a fun little little geeky piece of gear that I'm excited about. Now, you, you mentioned precision. Is that really what sets it apart from the, the pieces of gear you used in the past for the same purpose? Absolutely. It's Swiss made. The dials are very precise, much more precise than per se, a ball head or a pan head. It's really, really precise. And you can put a super heavy lens on there and it holds it tight. So it really does the job. And I, don't, I wish I hadn't wait, waited this long to buy it. Well, we'll make sure to link in the notes to this particular piece of gear so that our listeners can go check it out too. But thanks for sharing that with us. I know I, I, it's funny to think back when I started in photography, one of the main reasons, and it's terrible to think about now, it's, it's laughable to think about now, but one of the main reasons I even started in professional photography when I was 21 years old was because I was just excited about the gear. And at the end of the day, it's so much fun as photographers to play with gear and to try the, not only the latest gear, but also old gear. I, I like to shoot with old cameras, too. I think it's so much fun. So I think it's fun to always hear what, what uh, our guests are using, and it's something that we've started adding to the podcast. That's great. So I want to get to our, our main topic, which is um, this idea of creating a timeless finished product for our clients. The word timeless is a bit cliche. I think it gets thrown around a lot, but used appropriately, I think it carries some pretty significant meaning. And I want to start just by understanding your perspective on that word. What does that actually mean to you and the product that you're creating for your client? Well, I think, you know, I started out only shooting film and only doing fiber-based prints for years. That's all I did in the beginning of my business. And you know, there's such this great feeling of satisfaction to hand your client this beautifully printed, you know, finished piece to hang on their wall to enjoy, as opposed to just going, hey, download your digital, you know, because so many times that digital just sits on that client's computer and nothing ever gets done with it because they don't necessarily know where the best place to print it is, or they, you know, they're not educated to where to print it unless you educate them. And you know, it just doesn't have the same satisfaction as giving them a print. And I, th- I think it's super important. I think, you know, 
overall, as things, you know, technology can be our best friend and our enemy in ways. And I think over time, we're becoming this society where we talked about relationships earlier. We're less connected because of social media. We're less connected because all we do is text. And I feel like the same thing can happen in digital products versus prints. You know, you're, you're less connected to that, the emotion in that image or what that image does for you because it's in your computer. You know, I mean, people come over to your home and they can either enjoy this great moment on your wall that you've created from a wedding or, you know, just a great candid moment you've had with your kids when they were little or whatever. Or you can say, hey, come to my computer and look at all my pictures. And there's just a really big difference there in that experience. And I just think we have to leave a legacy for our kids and our family and in our pictures. And, you know, with technology, too, it all changes. I mean, we all know that the floppy disk has disappeared. The CD has disappeared. I mean, all those things that I grew up using. And so over time, I mean, these files that we have that are sitting on our computers at home are going to be obsolete and unusable. And so I think it's really important to print your images and have them. You know, and I struggled with this, too. I'm, I'm here to say, you know, I have time to create these images for my clients, but, you know, the cobbler's kids never have shoes. Same for a photographer. It's really hard to print our own prints, and that's a challenge for me as well. But um, one of my favorite rooms in our house before we moved to Birmingham was this, you know, white painted stairwell that was very sterile and boring until I threw up all my family's black and white candid images. And these weren't portraits. These weren't stage shots, pose shots. These were my favorite images of my little guy at the zoo with his forehead up against a goat feeding him, you know, and my daughter running up to my husband on the beach and planting a kiss on his cheek by the ocean that was not planned. And just walking down that stairwell that used to be so plain and sterile, and I would just see all these memories from, like, the past 10 years. That was one of my favorite rooms in the house. You can't do that if all your images are on a computer. Well, and and I think not only this technology changed, certainly, but I think the other thing that we need to point out here, and you were alluding to it, is the scarcity factor. The scarcity factor is what makes an individual print so much more valuable in some ways than a digital file. There are millions and millions and millions of digital files all around us on our phones, on our computers, in the cloud, or otherwise. So that is very, very commonplace, which then makes an individual print much more unusual. So not only is it, I think I would agree with you that it's more fulfilling to be able to actually hand a tangible print, especially something as beautiful as a, you know, a print on textured fine art paper. We'll talk about this in a little more detail in a second, but um, something like that to a client because you're getting to see that you're actually working towards something more than this elusive digital file on a computer or on a phone somewhere. Um, but then you are also giving your client something that is, has really become more and more unique. I can totally relate to what you're talking about, those images on the, on the stairwell. My favorite, probably my favorite part of my house is my refrigerator. And that may sound funny, but I've got gobs of prints from the little Instax Polaroid camera that I've printed images that I did shoot with my, my phone, but I have a tangible print of me and my kids and friends that I've posted and family that I've posted up on that refrigerator, this, this collage, really, of the important people in my life. And I love being able to look at that and see that in conjunction with notes and letters or whatever. But I, I think that that's, that's a physical experience almost that, that you don't get to have when you're looking at just a simple digital file. It is unique. It is different. And we have an opportunity 
as professional photographers as well. We've talked about this a little bit before in the podcast, but more and more as those lines blur between the consumer photographer and the prosumer photographer and the professional photographer, we're going to have to do something to create a more unique experience as a so-called professional photographer in order to maintain any kind of sustainability as a business. And part of that creating that unique experience can be this very thing, which is being able to create a timeless and tangible product that we can hand to our clients. So I think that's really important. Let's break this down a little bit. And when we were actually having a conversation prior to recording about, hey, what, what should we dive into? What should we focus on in conversation? You, you went to this and you were talking about two different elements of delivering this timeless product. One was editing um, and the other was handling, handing them that, that tangible product like a print. So I want to talk about both. Editing is a funny one because I, and I think I've mentioned this in the podcast before, I still remember looking back to my, my photography career, I shot weddings for 10 or 11 years. And at, at one point in time, we were using a, we call it a Lomo filter, which it was, it was a filter, a digital filter that was supposed to simulate the look that a particular camera would apply to film traditionally. Um, we were also using a cross-processed digital effect we were applying to images. And we were applying this to images, digital images, that we were then printing in an album as a display album to show to our clients. And it wasn't but, I don't know, a year later that I'm then sitting down to look at the sample album. And I'm like, what in the world was I thinking, you know? And if we're thinking that, within a year's time frame, what are our clients going to be thinking in five years' time frame or a 10 years time frame when they're looking at a print or an album or otherwise. But one of the things you talked about to me was the importance of processing images or editing images with a timeless look. So I'd love for you to kind of share your thoughts on that. Well, I think we all remember the selective coloring of the 90s, you know, and now we look at those and just cringe because we're like, who wants a black and white picture with like a pink balloon, you know? So I think that we, I think it's really important for everything to remain relative that what we give our clients now, they're going to look back 20 years from now and it's going to be just as relevant. So I think about, you know, the royal wedding that's coming up. I guarantee the royal photographer is not applying all these filters and actions and whatever. I mean, they, they want these images to be timeless because they're history and they're going to be preserved for years and years and years. So really what it all boils down to for me is you know, there were those years that I played with the vintage actions and the things and I tested those waters and for me, it all came back to being relative 30, 50 years from now. Are these images still going to be beautiful? And for me, that's just traditional, beautiful color, beautifully lit images and black and whites. And So then what does, I mean, certainly when it comes to how you capture them, approaching it in a relevant manner as you're talking about uh, a manner that would be relevant 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now from a lighting and posing standpoint, but... When it comes to your actual editing process, what does that look like then? Are you using filters or presets at all? What does that look like? Well, for me, um, like I played around with all the, you know, purchase presets and filters and everything, but I really like to shoot with shadows in mind. I like the shadows to be opened up. So I kind of created my own preset so that when everything comes into Lightroom, it applies the preset that I created, which is really a neutral, you know, neutral contrast, not very high contrast, airy and light image just straight up. That's what works for me. I'm not saying that works for everybody. I think you can have a lot more creative freedom when you're shooting commercial and editorial work. When we're shooting weddings, we really have to stick to our brand. I mean, our clients hire us for a very specific look. So my clients don't hire me for the dark and moody look. They know that's not what I do. If they want dark and moody, there's some awesome people out there that do amazing dark and moody. 
my images are more light and airy. So that's what they hire me for. So I really can't be all over the place in my editing because that's not my brand. That's not what they hire me for. So I really stick closely to my brand and try to be very consistent. So I, I developed that preset so that all my wedding images come in with that preset and I just make little tweaks here and there. I love to shoot with the end in mind and I love to shoot it right in camera. So I have very little process to do on the back end. To me, that's what works. I want to spend less time behind the computer and more time in front of the camera. And you mentioned Photographer's Edit earlier. So are you, have you given Photographer's Edit that preset to apply to your images during the processing? So you get those images back, it has that look applied to it? Or what does that process look like? Yes. Photographer's Edit has done a really good job of asking their clients for presets and preferences. And, you know, I've uploaded example images. So, you know, what I get back from Photographer's Edit is really, really good as if I had edited it myself. Otherwise, you know, I would have a hard time handing over these weddings and all these thousands of images over time. But they do a really good job at trying to nail that that preset and that look that's, that, that's, that's me, that's consistently branded for my work. Ooh, sorry about that background noise. <laughs> But, you know, and if, and if there needs to be a little tweak here and there, they, they're on it. They do it and get it back to me right away. That's great. So you, you have the images, you have a process for your images that are edited in a classic manner, something that isn't going to look funny in a year. Uh, it's so, I mean, I, I still think back to that album, that engagement. It was a, specifically an engagement album that we had right there as a sample for our clients and how quickly that fad changed. And it was a fad. It wasn't even a trend. It was a fad, came in quickly, left quickly and how irrelevant it was then in a very short period of time. But you figured out a process for your images and for the sake of your clients, the longevity of these images for your clients, that is timeless. Take us then from digital file to print. What, is that, what does that process look like? Do you, have a, do you have a process that you take your clients through where they're picking these images for print? Do you show them examples? And then what kind of print product do you actually use? So I, I was really excited about imaging this time because I, I'm almost seeing a resurgence of beautiful fine art papers. I saw more labs offering the Hannah Mule fine art paper with a decal edge. These are things that I offered 15 years ago that I've been selling that long. And it's almost like, you know, film has made a resurgence. Everybody is realizing the no- novelness of really having beautifully crafted images. And I'm excited about that. I was excited to see that paper, a lot of fine art paper coming into albums. So that really excited me, this imaging um, trade show, to see that. But when it gets tricky, I think delivering printed pieces to your clients is when you're working with clients who are out of town. They can't always see the finished product. They can't always see samples and examples. So I try to do a really good job of giving them an album guide that they can look at as a PDF online. It shows them, you know, samples. It shows them colors that they can choose for from for their covers. Um, when I can't meet with them in person, which of course is preferable, then I try to make it an experience with them. We talk over the phone about it. You know, I show them examples online. I even have Pinterest boards saved with, with album samples and that sort of thing. But the process for albums is pretty easy for brides. It's basically they favorite their images in their gallery. They come to me, I put them in a layout, they see that spread and they can make changes online. So if they're, you know, three hours away, 
they'll see the exact spread that they're going to see in their album. They can make any tweaks and comments and changes, send them back to me. This back and forth process will go on once or twice. Then I upload the image to my fine art album lab and then it's shipped directly to them. And they are always super pleased. I have, um, I use Red Tree albums. I love their, um, they're very well done. I love that you can choose a custom mark or a custom font for the front. They have beautiful cover fabrics, materials, gorgeous leathers, and they do a really good job, and my brides are very pleased with them. In fact, I wish every bride would order an album because to me, that's that's the story of your wedding day, and it's in a book, and it's tangible, and you can hold it, and you can set it out on your coffee table, and, fl- and you know people can come over and drink a glass of wine and, and relive the day with you, whether it's family or friends or wedding party. And you just, you can't do that if they're in your computer or on your phone. You mentioned RedTree. Are you using a particular software? Does RedTree have software that you're using for that process of sharing images with your client and helping pick the, the layout? Or do you use a different piece of software? I use a different piece of software for that. It's a company called PicArts. They are a very affordable album design company. And I love it because the online presence is branded with your branding and it shows the spreads it has a place for comments and you can either click approved or you know please make changes and it's it just makes the process very simple because we all don't have brides that live an hour away you know and especially destination wedding photographers and um, it gives my brides a real comfort level that they know exactly what they're getting and it gives me a comfort level because it's it's a very clean design. I choose a clean design that you can choose from a lot of different design styles, but I choose just a very clean white layout. No, not fussy. The images make you know make the spread. They do all the talking, and my clients can really see what that layout is going to look like, and it just gives them a comfort level about what they're ordering. That's wonderful. And then you mentioned prints too. Is there a particular company that you're doing all of your printing through? And, and do you? You mentioned one or two different types of paper as well. Do you have a favorite? Um, So the clients can order, the most inexpensive thing they can order is just a standard luster print. It's archival Kodak paper. Um, It'll last longer than we're here. And it's it's beautiful paper. Now, on the higher end, they can order a fine art paper from me, Hannah Mule, and it's the museum etching, deckled edge. They can get a deckled edge or not deckled edge, white border or not white border. And again, it's an archival paper. I always recommend archival mats. And like I said, I was really excited. I had used a company in Birmingham that was a local company and printed those for me. And since I've moved, I really have needed to find someone that I can order those online and that be shipped to my customer. And so... I was excited this trade show to see that ND Print is offering those now, as well as Muse, which is a it's a Tennessee company. So it's great to have those two resources to be able to order for my clients online and get that beautiful finished fine art paper. That's awesome. That's awesome. And we'll we'll make sure to link to these resources in the show notes too for the podcast. So you guys make sure you go check that out. I I still love thinking back to the fine art prints that I got to deliver to my clients. And one of my favorite things, and I've talked about it on the podcast before, but I would do a, um, I had a, a panoramic, a Russian panoramic camera that I shot with. Um, it, it, was a, it was kind of an artistic outlet for me. You know, shooting, you shoot hundreds or thousands of images at a wedding, but to set this camera, it was a, a 30, it shot 35 millimeter film. It would use up what would normally be two frames on a roll of 35 millimeter film for the sake of this one frame, this panoramic frame. And I'd have the, the film scanned. I'd take maybe four, five, six frames or so. Um, have the film scanned, pick the image that I like best, have a high-res scan done of that individual image, 
do the artwork for that image, and then ultimately have it printed on this, this textured art paper and have it mounted on foam core, had a box, uh, special box made for it with our logo at, um, stamped on it, and would deliver that to the client. And, I, and I, there is something very fulfilling about giving a finished product like that to your client that, I don't know, it almost makes the, the art of what you're doing well, to borrow an earlier word, more tangible, more real. You get to actually see it and feel it, and it looks truly like a finished product. And to be able to give that to your client as a gift or ultimately as a finished product if they want to order a print, I think it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I feel like as a photographer, you, you know that your client is getting the image exactly as you shot it. You know, when you turn over digital to a client, I give all my clients the only time my clients get digital images without getting prints is for many sessions in the fall because they're mainly doing it for Christmas cards. And, you know, I want them to be able to have that. I want them to be able, because the Christmas card is actually tangible in the end. And I know they're actually going to use it for that. Otherwise there is a print minimum required with all my shoots because I like for them to have finished prints. I know that I give my clients recommendations for labs to use but, you know, they could also just go to Walgreens and, and print it from the, you know, the high schooler that's there that works part-time and doesn't know the difference between green, green skin tone and red skin tone. So I feel like I have a little more control of the end result when I shot it, I edited it, I printed it, I delivered it. You know, that's important to me because I don't want, uh, you know, part of your brand and being consistent is knowing that that finished product is as you shot it. Otherwise, you know, if it's printed at a discounter, then it's in a frame on their counter and they go, oh yeah, Heather Durham took that picture <laughs> and they have green skin, you know? So you, it's part of protecting your brand. Sure. Well, I like the, the fact that you still give your clients the option to have the digital files, but the caveat is that they have to have ordered prints and now they have a point of reference as to what the images should look like. If they do go have them printed elsewhere, elsewhere, if I can get out my words here, they'll know the difference between the quality of the Walgreens or whoever else is printing it and what you had done through your professional lab, that was color corrected and color balanced and printed correctly. They actually have that point of reference. So I like that. I think that's a good compromise. I agree. Yeah. Very important. So I'd love for you to share, and I really can't thank you enough for making quite a bit of time actually to, to, to dive into all kinds of different conversations tonight, but I'd love for you to share where our listeners can find you online, your website, social media, so they can follow what you're doing, hear a little bit more about what you're up to. Thanks. That's great. Um, and I love to connect with people. So you know, I have other photographers ask me questions and that sort of thing, so feel free to. Um, you can reach me at www.heatherdurhamphotography.com. And um, I'm on social media. Um, Instagram is Heather Durham Photography as well as Facebook. Perfect. So we'll make sure we, we link to those in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for making time for the Boca Podcast listeners tonight. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. Thank you.